In this episode of The One Solution Podcast, you will hear from Andrew Moss. We are extremely excited to introduce him officially as part of the One Solution team and part of partnering with our mission of trying to solve global issues by looking at the internal resources we are all born with and looking at the mind and looking at thoughts and looking at how we create realities and how we create societies and how we can access new ways of thinking, a new state of being so that we in turn could create a new world. So anyway, you all know that shtick. That's what we're about here in One Solution. And in Andrew's episode, you will hear about his story. It's a really powerful story of someone who... Uh, had a calling at a very, very young age and followed the breadcrumbs of exploration for himself, exploration for helping people. He has been a coach to Olympic athletes, entrepreneurs, social impact leaders, and students. So he has worked with everyone and he has seen firsthand how the mind could be the key for people to see what we have inside of us and the key to create change in the world. So we really hope you enjoy this interview. Grab a cup of coffee, your favorite beverage. If you're out walking, just let your mind flow and enjoy Andrew Moss. Thank you, guys. Welcome to the One Solution Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to explore if there really is one solution to all the world's problems. And perhaps that solution lies in the mind. The mind is both the source of those problems, but also the solution to those problems. Yeah, so Andrew, why don't you just start by telling us uh, about your background, kind of who you are as a human, first and foremost. Mm. Well, first of all, thank you for the invitation, and it is uh, it is an honor to be part of the team um, in a formal way. I've always, from the first time I sort of virtually met you guys, I, I felt part of the team, um, but it's now official, which is really cool. Um, where to start? Um, I've been somebody that, if I talk to my parents, they to- tell me stories, even when I was a young six, seven-year-old in our neighborhood, I used to love to get all the three and four and five-year-olds together in the park and, and organize events and help, help them enjoy themselves. And I used to apparently like order these like um, amusement park or obstacle course kits out of a magazine and, and set it all up. And I don't remember that, but it makes <laughs> That's funny. total sense because it's like what I still do today, basically, is, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so, you know, uh, a very formative time in my, my life was, you know, um, elementary school, high school, I was a, an athlete, I, I was very fortunate to have some really great coaches that understood that helping people feel good about themselves was the fastest route to helping them perform better. And I don't know where they learned that from, but that landed with me and it, and I noticed it. I think lots of other people had the same experience and didn't notice what was happening. Um, And maybe they had more athletic ability than I had, but for me, it made a profound difference because it really, 
helped helped me relate that an adult could have an impact on a young person in a way that would shape how they saw themselves. And sport was just the vehicle to how that kind of showed itself. But I noticed how it was showing itself in lots of other areas. And I remember in, I think it was grade 10, we had careers class and we had to list sort of the top two options for our career. And my number one was coach and my number two was chef. And <laughs> my, my wife would say, I'm still working on the chef one. Um, but coach was something, even in high school, I was teaching swimming lessons. I would take the, uh, the youngest kids, like the three-year-olds, I think Teo's probably about to enter this stage and the first level of swimming lessons, I would put them on a mat. I would paddle them down to the deep end and I would tell them these stories about all the fun that they were going to get to have to explore the deep ocean of the pool and all the creatures that were down there and all the treasures once they learned how to swim. And then we would paddle our way back to the shallow end and they were so ready to learn to swim and I don't know where that came from. Nobody taught us that in swimming teacher course, <laughs> but it was just the same thing that those coaches had taught me was like, I believed in these little three and four-year-olds in front of me to the extent that I could take them to the deep end and bring them back and, and see that one day they could enjoy, you know, swimming all by themselves. And that just continued. I, I that is how I've coached my entire professional life. And I've coached for 32 years now professionally. And it's always come from that same place of helping people see possibility that maybe they're not quite seeing yet, and then bringing them back to help them actually work on getting there. And doing that by focusing on their mind and how they see themselves. Because once they see themselves in a different way, the rest of it kind of takes care of itself. And, uh, so that's, that's kind of the quick synopsis. I've got four daughters who've taught me a whole lot of other things uh, about life and about being a good parent and being a good adult and a good human being. Um, and hopefully I've taught them a few things along the way as well. That's so cool. And, and how, because I'm always curious, sometimes, you know, our nature um, comes out in our work and other times it just becomes you know who we are like as a human being like I you could be a helpful person with your neighbors or a helpful person within a separate job and some people like no I'm going to make this this thing I have inside that's that's very natural to me my actual profession I'm going to do this every day and I want to help these people so was there a moment or an or an evolution where you saw like, oh, I could do, I could do this and I can make a living and I can help this and, and your evolution into working with Olympians and, and mm -hmm. all that stuff. So how, how did it become, oh, this is cool to like, this is going to be my, life, so yeah. far my life's work in a way. Yeah. That's a really interesting question. Um, I certainly recognized as I was going through high school that this could be a way to make a living. My, my swimming coach, when I was a kid, um, that was his job. He was paid to do that. Uh, he actually wasn't even a swimmer before he was a gymnast, mm -hmm. but he understood people really well. And so I, there was definitely a bit of that going on in my mind. Um, and I headed off to university for business school because we owned a family business selling uh, sailboats and equipment and 
and that kind of thing in our in our little city where we lived. So I was around that from a very early age, and it was sort of like the family business and go off to school, come back, run the business. Um, but something changed for me, and I came back uh, during university, and my parents were talking about selling the business. Um, so that was throwing a wrench into the plan. Um, I did a summer job placement working um, as a swim coach, and I just loved it. And so it, be, it was really coming out of university. It was like, if I'm going to do something, I already know what I love to do. Why not try that? And I can figure out, like, I can figure out a career <laughs> later. Um, I'm still, I, I, I think I gave up figuring out the career maybe 20 <laughs> years ago. Uh, kind of said, all right, I'm in. Um, so that was one moment. And, and then, as you mentioned, I mean, I, I was very fortunate that that way of coaching that I described earlier, earlier um, worked with not only the three-year-olds learning to swim, it actually worked really well with the Olympic level athletes too, uh, because, you know, the public sees them as these sort of phenoms, um, but they're human beings and they have the same issues going on in their, in their minds and, you know, behind the scenes that anybody does. So helping them see themselves in a, in a more positive way and in a more confident way, you know, a lot of people don't, believe it but that's actually it's a huge part of coaching olympian is the same thing as it's coaching an average joe off the street um, mm -hmm. they just happen to have some physical abilities that most people don't have um, and then there was a moment towards the end of my sports career where i went to a conference that had um, experts from a bunch of different fields like there were some sports people there, there was business people, there was people from the arts and medicine and all kinds of different areas. And they were all, but they were all lined up on panels talking about exactly the same topic. And so the first session I went to was called Performing Under Pressure. And there was a, a somebody from Formula One racing team. Mm. There was a, a neurosurgeon from New York City. And there was a director from Broadway. The conference was in New York. And they talked about their jobs and it was about five minutes in and I went, oh my God, they all have the same job. Yeah. I would it like was to exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I just remember sitting there going, this is the message I needed to hear because I was in that, what am I going to do next stage? And I just realized, oh, there's a whole world of people out there I can help right. because we're all really trying to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. The surroundings might look different. The context might be a little different, but human being in front of you who sees seeing themselves one way, you help them shift and see themselves a different way. You open up possibility for them. And that's what everybody was doing. The neurosurgeon was doing that for the, for the nurses and the other doctors he was working with. You know, the director on Broadway was doing that for the actors and the backstage people and everybody that needed to do the right thing in the right way at the right time. It was amazing. So that was, honestly, if I think back, that was one of those moments that conference just completely shifted what I saw as possible for myself, which has opened up this whole new world of what, what I'm doing now. Oh, sorry. I know I'm asking all the questions because I'm, no, I'm curious. I have two, but I'll bank them. You all keep right. going, you keep more. going. Before we go, before we move on to like, okay, what? 
what happened like going after that like i'm i'm always curious because you know coaching could be uh, it's a term that can mean anything and an effective coach could be any type of style at least that's how i've experienced it being coached in different settings and and i know that with the coaches that got the most out of me kind of knew how to get the most out of me and how i want so for example, uh, I don't want this in my close relationships. I actually have like a huge ego about it in my close relationship, but in a coaching setting, I really love people's, I really grow when people point out all the stuff that I'm bad at. Like, I, I'm like, yes, like, let me learn. Like, this is amazing. Like I just learned so quickly and even almost like, you know, like really showing all the mistakes I'm making, like I'm, I'm so open, like a book. Now I don't want my wife to point out what's wrong with me. I, I, I don't know why I haven't been there. able to do I, that's it. That's why it doesn't work when I do <laughs> there it. There it's opposite. I <laughs> there I just want her to point out all the good stuff, but, <laughs> but it, it's just fascinating. And other people that would might shut them down. They might mm-hmm. go like, I don't really, I don't, I, I need, I need more the praise or being shown something and they thrive under that. So it all depends. So I'm curious, both in terms of for you as a person, how do you, how do you thrive? Like, and did your style of coaching come from anything you saw worked or you saw, you know, opened you up in your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great, great question. <laughs> I love the caveat, just in case Mara wasn't listening. <laughs> exactly. Glad you repeated it. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, um, you know, I think that that first coach I mentioned, my swimming coach, given that he wasn't, didn't have a swimming background, he had a unique approach to teaching us how to swim fast. And I recognize it now very clearly that he was somebody that would always start with a question. He would seek some information out of me. And then he would use whatever I said to create some feedback that he wanted to provide on what I could do better. Mm -hmm. So he would ask how something felt for me when I was swimming up and down, you know, he might say, go, you know, go swim up and down. Tell me how, you know, your right arm feels as it's pulling through the water. And when I came back and then said that to him, he would say, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Let's try doing this to see if that helps. Mm And what was amazing about that was how empowering it was for me because I was really the expert yeah. and he was just providing the mirror and the guidance to that. And I've seen that approach in some of the mentors I've had over the years of my, of my coaching, um, that that is their sort of secret sauce to how they work with people. And then I've seen coaches that will stand and talk at people for 10, 20 minutes and nothing's getting through. Yeah. And so my, you know, I guess, you know, as, as with most things, you know, mine was definitely formed, formed from the experiences I had, but it was also that I was a a student as a coach. I would, you know, I took three months off and went to Australia and lived with the top Australian swim coach of the day, lived in his house, went to the workouts with him and just watched and and understood how he was doing what he was doing. Not, not the, like to copy the practices, 
but the, right. the, the approach that he was using. Yeah. And, and I still do that. I mean, I just finished over the last two weeks, nine day intensive coaching program, you know, and most of the people in the room were in their first to fifth year of coaching. And I'm in there and I'm trying to figure out and I'm listening for things and I'm noticing things, not because I don't trust myself, but I, I just love to pick up the nuances of different ways of doing things. So yeah, it's a long answer, but it's definitely been formed from early experiences and then reinforced, you know, as I've gone through my career. That's really cool. Well, what I love listening to you is it just sounds like even though you've been in this career for a long time, you continue to be curious and had a beginner's mind and assume that you can keep learning fresh from every new person you might be coaching mm. from every other coach you might work with or observe or you know, and now I know you work now with social impact entrepreneurs and, and then doing the work with one solution. And obviously it's not to your point, it's not necessarily sports coaching, but it's understanding how humans work and thrive and what that mm -hmm. makes possible for them in their lives on a small and a big scale. So that ability to, yeah, just continue to learn and, and genuinely be curious, uh, I would think would let you see whether or not the person in front of you would really thrive from having how bad they are pointed out to them. <laughs> exactly, <yeah. laughs> or that they just need to be so loved because right. their biggest issue is they don't see their own potential. They don't love themselves, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, but that's only something in my experience that can be learned in the moment by looking into the eyes of the human in front of you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yes. To all of that. And I think the approach that I just described that, that, you know, and when I started out, the way it made me feel is such a critical part to what coaching is. You know, it, it, it is not about a power of the power of a coach to, to make you into something that you didn't think you were capable of. It's actually to see why you're not seeing that potential in yourself in the first place and then helping you unlock that. And I know that the, you know, the conversations we've had around, you know, especially, you know, in the rebels for peace, context in the global change incubator context that's that's the secret is once you unlock that and see why they were seeing themselves in a limiting way at one point and what how they can see themselves in a new way then you kind of just have to get out of the way you know i, I remember one of my jobs i i went to i i had one of the very most talented athletes in the city this was out in vancouver and one of the most senior coaches in the city you know pulled me aside the start of the year and he said just don't get in his way and he'll be amazing <laughs> and you know i i kind of was like well that's an interesting thing to say but it was a very caring thing to say because it was actually the truth all i needed to do was to be that guide and that mirror and that supporter uh for this young this young guy so yeah, you know, I think coaching, the beginner's mindset, especially it, for me, is because I'm on that same journey for myself. You know, I, I think when I'm helping other clients figure out where their growth is going to come from, like a lot of that is for myself as well. 
And, you know, coaching is funny that way. I keep a notebook beside me. Just Andrew's best advice is the title on it because it's like what I'm saying to other people is, is what I need to hear oftentimes as well. Yes. And so that, you know, that's where it comes from. Mm. Yeah. I so feel that when I work with people, whether to your point, whether it's the rebels for peace or the global change incubator participants, um, there's always this super grateful, but almost sheepish feeling of like, am I getting more out of this than they are? But it, I think it points to, um, something that's more of a universal truth about human potential, because it's almost like that deeper intelligence or genius inside us is the life force, but we all connect to it when our, um, when our channel is open or our, our minds aren't so noisy or whatever. It's just that the, the, the connection is not gunked up by anything like that guy said to you, just stay out of his way and he'll be amazing. <laughs> so <Yeah>. it's like, <laughs> I, I just love that incredibly rewarding element of this work is of course you get just as much out of it because in a way it's not yours, it's humanities. And so when you look in that direction and you clear the channel and you, you know, get a free flow, look at what's possible from the life force perspective, you get filled up with it too, which is why you have a book full of all of those cool things that occur to you in that space. But that's what I've always felt, like I said, sort of equal parts sheepish, but immensely grateful for about this work, which is why it doesn't feel like work. And it does feel like a life calling is because it's exploring what's true for human consciousness, for the genius behind life, and that we all get to touch that when we look in this direction. So, yeah, I'm like, not only does that help other people, but I'd be lying if I didn't say it helped me just as much, if not more. Yeah. yeah it reminds me of a conversation I had this past week. Um, as one of the coaches in this program with me was brand new. And he said, oh, I have so much to learn. You know, you're like 30 some years ahead of me. I said, I said to him, and I don't know where this came from, but I said, you know, if we believe that humans have this limitless potential, then I don't know where I am relative to you because I don't know what limitless actually means. So why don't we just pretend we're at the same place because like we have a long way to go. And uh, that was like a very freeing thing that when I said that, I actually felt good about for myself to say, wow. yeah, like this is still a journey. Like there's so much more to explore here. And, uh, and we felt very connected around that, that, yeah, let's go figure this out together. Yeah. What's the point in measuring the infinite? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also that you can realize something that has nothing to do with time, that it's that insights and realizations and stuff that changes us and changes the world, you know, can be a process, can look linearly. It can also look very exponential and it's, it, it's a little and random, random mm -hmm. and unknown. And who's going to see something that's going to transform the world forever. It's, it's not, you can't make that happen. It, it, you can only, uh, tr you know, just live and, and try and see and, and observe that phenomenon. Like that's, that's the mystery of the work, you know, that we do together. We want solution is like, we are trying, um, to look for higher percentages of random 
insights to occur that hopefully will <laughs> help the world in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And and that's that grounds us in that you can't we can't control force anything. There is something, you know, magical about it. Yeah, mag- it, yeah magical. It is magical. Yeah. yeah. I want to go back to your oh sorry sure. go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say something because I, you know I had this experience with with the group that in the incubator that we're working with a couple of weeks back where it just kind of dawned on me how and this kind of goes to the experience and the like who's teaching who question is how profoundly wise the the group that we have together in the incubator is despite the fact that if you put the resumes up on the, on, on the wall, it would not suggest that to the, to the outside world. But when you hear them talk and when you hear how they see the world and when you hear how they would solve problems in the world, you get a sense that they actually are much closer to that source uh, of wisdom than those who get clouded by all the outside world stuff. And, and I have this sort of vantage point of seeing both sides of it, doing the work with, with one solution and then working with university students and entrepreneurs. And it's so obvious. And the more I get, you know, I've been talking to Anna with Inside Alliance, you know, and understanding what those guys are seeing from their viewpoint inside a jail cell is the same. It's like, they need to be teaching the rest of the world <laughs> what they're learning, not the other way around. Yeah. And that's a big part of what really has drawn me to want to help scale our work together is it's not that the whole world needs to come and teach, uh, you know, people that are coming from, from at-risk situations, anything. We need, to, we need to open up these conversations for all of us to have them together because there's real deep, profound wisdom in inside inside these human beings who've, by whatever you know, chance or bad luck or bad decision, have ended up in a part of society most people don't want to look at. I've seen the evidence just in the work we've done together. Um, we need to flip that around. You know, we need to showcase how much they have to teach us. Well, exactly what you said reminded me of seeing how that power of like flipping it on its head what actually happens then it, it's like the world is set up in a way that it's like there's an expert and a, and a student and we assume who's going to be the expert and who's going to be the student or who should be talking and who should be listening and every time we've flipped that both us and approaching people like going into a room with new people like this is not a talking situation this is a listening situation amazing things happen and also when we set that up for example having someone who's 15 mentor someone who's 35 uh, and having someone with no experience in a field mentor someone who supposedly is the expert in that field amazing things happen It, it really is transformational because it, it opens up a door to a deeper listening because you would, you're, you're talking to someone who isn't, you know, trying to teach you something, but you also get surprised mm-hmm. way more often because it, it, it takes away the hierarchy and it, it, it forces us to go to the human level because on the content on the resume, there is a difference. 
But if we're not, that's not what we're mentoring from, then you finally get to connect as a human. I totally agree that that, that could be done one-to-one, that could be done in groups, that could be done in, you know, a politician really listening to people, not just listening, but here's my, you know, like really taking it in, like that notion that actually it's the other way around. The wisdom is not where we think it is. It's, it's in all of us. It really turns a lot of societal things on its head too. Well, and I think it speaks to what I was saying before that wisdom isn't, or genius or whatever you want to call it, isn't actually an individual phenomenon. It's a human phenomenon. And I think what happens when you flip it on its head is it shocks people out of their normal habits of thought. So that position that I would normally put myself in, I'm not necessarily putting myself in, in my mind. So the noise or the filtering that I would create in my thinking disappears by sheer shock or curiosity like so this 15 year old is going to mentor me on leading a company okay Mm -hmm. like this should be interesting and so there's insight that is able to eke its way through again because insight is a is a, a a human accessible fact of being alive that that sort of emerges it's emergent it's not gained and i think that's what becomes easier when we flip it on its head is the emergent nature of insight new ideas aha moments and really touching realizations just have so much more space to come through um, because that scaffolding isn't there that says oh i'm supposed to know this and i'm supposed to give this to you and And yes, there are things that then that, you know, the 15 year old can say or be that touches that person, but really to everything Andrew was pointing to as a coach is they get touched by their own capacity to have insight and new things occur to them. And the reason that gets easier in that space is because they don't have the the noise and the filtering that's normally there because of those hierarchies and those in a way, same lane sort of experiences mm. that they're used to having. And it was funny because I've, you know, I heard you share that after the, um, the first module of the global change incubator, like, wow, I work with all these social impact entrepreneurs that have MBAs and have, you know, built big companies and are doing things in all these different countries in the world. And, and I heard cooler ideas come out of, you know, the young people who were just recently released from incarceration mm-hmm. who are participating in our global change incubator, like that's pretty amazing. And, you know, I just reflected on my, my own experience, having been a university student, which a lot of the, the young people you're referring to on our incubator never went to university and sometimes not even finished high school. And it, it, it does, it does make you take a hard look at how we're educating humans through formal institutional education, because I remember getting the memo or the messaging of, okay, now I'm going from ninth to 10th grade. So I know more. Okay. Now I'm going from high school to college. So now I know more. And it was part of my job. So I thought, or so I had been kind of led to believe to have a more and more refined sense of what I knew and to assert that, assert that in comments in class, assert that in papers that I submitted for grades in order to get a good grade. So it's all kind of, Mm. 
-hmm. The older you get, the more experienced you get, the more educated you get, the more formalized your expertise, the more and more clicks you're turning toward. I already know not that beginner's mind. I know nothing. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't surprise me that you said that. And I, and I could feel, yeah, I, I was totally trained into a more formalized, I got a master's therefore I know this, this, and that, you know? (laughs) So the question I wanted to go back to is kind of what led you from sports coaching to then now working with, you know, in a university context. And then now that you're working with one solution and seeing the things you're seeing, how is that making you think differently about the university work that you do? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, well, I think what started to happen when I decided, when I went to that conference and I saw that there was many more opportunities out there, um, the first place I landed was a program that was helping university students who were just graduating uh, find a job. And we ran a, a four week boot camp for them over the summer to get them sort of employment ready. And I, and I was supposed to be managing and directing this program, but you know, if, if, when you're a coach, you're a coach. So what I was really doing was trying to figure out what had happened to these young people in four years of university because they were so robotic in how they showed up and how they saw themselves and to get them ready, to, to get them to show a personality, to get them to, to be able to communicate their value, which they were going to eventually have to do if a company was going to talk to them, was just such a foreign thing to them. And I just remember the feeling like, oh, this is, I'm back with my coach again. They need what I needed, right? They need to somebody who sees them in a different way and can help them see themselves in a different way and help them sort of find this source in them uh, to go out and make an impact on people when they meet them for an interview or when they're networking. So that was a really interesting experience to see, you know, I thought my job was going to be to get, teach them sort of employment skills, (laughs) but it was really about how to show up and how to see themselves in a new way so they could go into the workforce. And honestly, uh, I also you know, I think some of the students realized that this idea they had for their career was the wrong idea completely. Mm-hmm. It was just the next logical step, as you were saying, Mara, in the what do I do after school process. Um, and, you know I, know, I know one girl completely shifted and, and went back into dance to become a professional dancer, is doing acting and all these other things. And it wasn't like a big sort of what's the purpose of my life. It was just seeing how much of how she saw herself had been put on her by the system she had gone through. It wasn't who she was. It was who she was told she was. Mm -hmm. And when she stopped that, she saw something completely different for herself. So that was, that was one part. And I think what's happened in the years since making that shift, which is about 10 years now, um, I've been on my own quest to feel that what I do with this part of my career is really making the most impact possible. And uh, 
social entrepreneurship has been the sort of emerging trend that we've even seen in the university setting where typically they would come in to get banking jobs and consulting jobs. Now they're actually demanding that, that we focus on social issues and that they be trained on how to go out and make a difference on social, social issues. So that was really intriguing to see that shift, which naturally took me more towards the social impact space. Um, I think the work of the UN around the sustainable development goals was really timely for me because it gave me something like, oh, there's a big focus here. There are some big issues we need to tackle. And I've got a bunch of young people that seem really interested in working on those. So that was another step in this direction. And I think it was honestly just sort of my coaching curiosity. Uh, I found you guys on YouTube, a uh, source of everything these days, right? And, <laughs> um, and it just was like one layer deeper to social entrepreneurship. It was that the problems we need to solve are actually uh, within the people that are inside the problems. They're not fixing the symptoms of the problems. We need to help the people that are within the problems solve the problems because that's the only really sustainable solution. And you see a lot of billions of dollars being spent on changing the direction of some of these environmental and social issues, but they're very symptom-focused symptom dollars typically. And, and that, that experience we had in the incubator with the group what was most profound was not how necessarily how cool the ideas were. It was how close to the source of the problem they went by default. They looked for the source or, or their default was, why would this be happening in the first place? Right. And why would people be acting this way in the first place? And if we could sh shift that, then all the other symptoms would go away, which is so obvious but profound at the same time. And so the journey has been for me to find deeper and deeper purpose of the work I do and how I can kind of give back with the experience and the skills that I have, um, but also finding work that inspires me because like I, I get bored easily. So if I'm not around inspiring people, um, I'll go find some new people to work with. And, and you guys have attracted a group of people uh, that that I'm really inspired by, and I'm really inspired by the two of you and the work you're doing, and so it just felt like a great place to, you know, hopefully spend a long time for the rest of my career working together. Awesome. Well, we're really glad that you found your way to whatever <laughs> YouTube video it was, <laughs> because the feeling is mutual. <laughs> Thank you, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And what? So when you say like, you know, that thing about passion, I don't know if passion is the right word, but like something inside of you that awakens something that wants, that, that, that allows you to do something that has purpose or allows you to do something that makes, you know, on Monday morning, you actually want to do something and you're excited about it. Well, and I know from getting to know Andrew, you're the kind of person that when you're excited, you're, you have a jet engine on you yes, you're doing all sorts do. of stuff. Jet, I think we call it a jet pack actually. Yes. Oh, a jet exactly. pack. Thank yeah. you. Yes. It's our language. And, and I think that's, 
that's part of like we're always kind of like looking for that and mining for that and scanning for that in people because once that thing whatever that thing is comes out of people and it could be anything doesn't have to be helping people it could be you know playing the guitar it could be absolutely anything but it it just has this like it awakens something in people that allows action to be you know not always easy but but it it becomes inevitable in a way it's it's like um there's not as much choice in the matter um you still have hard days and 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 easy days but it feels like this is what i want to be doing and it has a more obvious thing it doesn't feel forced Mm. so i'm curious for you have you always been aware of listening to that inner thing i'm just gonna call it a thing that inner thing to guide you to what to do and is that something that you are conscious of in your work with people you know working with entrepreneurs and social entrepreneurs and when, when we do the work we do because i know a lot of people have an idea like you know entrepreneurship is 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 popular now it's in you're cool for myself like before like <laughs> entrepreneurship wasn't cool now it's cool now it's cool like you're a celebrity like everyone just want to write entrepreneur on their bio and just like yeah. so it used to be called self-employed Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or out of a job, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, and, and a lot of people got this idea, but unless that thing is there, it's going to stay at just the idea and it's going to be hard. And, and so, yeah, how, how is that something that you kind of consciously have come to yourself to be guided with? And is that something that shows up in your work? Yeah. Well, I think there's, Two answers. I think I started my career with that from those experiences I've talked about, um, the coaches that impacted me. Um, And then I went through a part of my career where I was um, seeking something. I was seeking higher level jobs. Uh, I was seeking more notoriety. I was seeking, um, I felt like I needed to control as many things as possible, because that was how I was going to make sure that I moved ahead. Didn't want to leave it to anybody else to to determine that. And that led to a very dark place of, of how I showed up because I was, no, I was not listening to anything inside me. It was like, I was trying to control everything around me Mm -hmm. uh, because that was in this, in the mind space, mind state I was in, that was how I was going to advance or succeed or whatever it was that mattered. So that all crumbled in a, in a glorious way over a couple of years. Um, in we many parts save of that story for another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I said to somebody, I could teach a masterclass on what not to do in a bunch of different areas. Um, especially if you want to do them all at the same time. Um, but it, you know, and it's easy to say this now, but it was a blessing that it completely disintegrated because I had no other choice but to rebuild from there. And, you know, what was fortunate is I actually ended up in a situation where I had a lot of free time and I didn't have a lot of responsibilities around me. And I spent a lot of time with myself for a couple of years uh, walking uh, in nature, 
around new people. Um, podcasts were just coming out and I, you know, found some sources of inspiration and, and different messages, completely different messages than that pre-crash person. And, and I just took it all in and I noticed how I was changing. Uh, and there's a funny story where before everything went bad, I'd been working with a personal trainer for a couple of years and, and she was so frustrated because we would work really hard and my body would not change. <sighs> and we tried everything. And then everything happened. I moved away. And in those two years, never went to the gym, only walking, only being with myself. My body just all of a sudden, like all that work just kind of unleashed itself. And my body just transformed into what had been like held inside because of, I think, the energy and whatever I was holding in was was actually affecting the way my body operated, which yeah. I totally understand now. Um, but that, that period and then the years since has been only listening to that source that you talked about, Eric. It's like understanding how much of what happened I had, and I had to take full responsibility, but not in like a negative way, in just a understanding how I had created what had happened. Wow. And that was very freeing. And then moving forward from that has been to really embrace that. And you know, I talk to people about this all the time. Like I, I only come from that source of whatever shows up is whatever is going to show up. Like, I don't think about what's going to show up next. I don't, you know, even for my coaching sessions, I don't prepare ahead of time with notes and structures and formats. It's like, whatever's going to show up, I trust now will be the right thing for the moment uh, for the person I'm with and, and for myself now. And so that's been a life lesson <laughs> learned. Um, I think I had it, I lost it. And then it's, it's come back and it's come back in an even deeper and more profound way now. Wow. Wow. That's super. I'm not beautiful. expecting thank that question, but thank you for no, asking. Yeah. That was a that was a great yeah. answer. And I think it's so that's so relatable. I was gonna I mean, say I, for that's my for story. Anyone to listening, yeah. I guarantee you people are going, oh wow. I'm either in that journey, on the other side of it, in the middle of it, just before it. I think everyone can relate to that. So mm -hmm. I'm very grateful you shared it. Yeah. I want to ask you one last question. And I know when I get asked this question, sometimes I find it super annoying. So I apologize if that's how it hits you. And other times I find it really cool and it, I'm delighted by what it, you know, kind of brings out of me. So, so I hope for you, it goes that direction. I'm sorry if it's the first, but I just love to hear kind of right now, because I know this is a moving target, but right now, what is it that you see as possible for the world that really looks tangible, doable? It's not there yet, but you see it in the world. You see a potential for it in the world. What is that for you today? I, I think it is connecting people from 
a diverse set of backgrounds and, and life experiences around conversations on what the human experience is all about and what it's been for them and, and what it is for, 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 for everybody else. Because I, I think that is the way we actually come bring humanity back together and heal. You know, I, I talk about healing the people and the planet. Um, and I think the healing people and the planet is from us understanding that we are all the same. And I think, like, if I think at a micro level, creating groups where people can have that conversation and put them in a room together, virtual or otherwise, and just let them experience what it is to hear the human experience of a bunch of other people who have different, look different, sound different, had different experiences. Like if I could only do one thing, that would be the one thing I would start. Very cool. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you. I got to know you more in this conversation, which is exciting. And I know for all the listeners, they're getting to know you for the first time. So thank you for being you and so open and so awesome. Likewise. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me here. And again, um, thrilled to be part of the team. And, uh, you know, we are going to spread the one solution magic message to as many people as possible. Um, I'm excited to do that. Um, and uh, yeah, if anybody that's listening or is watching this, like it's such an open invitation. Yeah. It could not be any more open of an invitation to say if, there, if there's something that resonates around this for anybody, we can be sure they have, they have a different life experience than the one I've just described. So there's something we can all learn from them. And uh, yeah, I would invite as many people as possible to join us. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And as, as people can feel after this conversation, we're just so excited to have you as part of the team and, and the, the wisdom that you bring um, has already been so helpful to us and how we look at what we're doing, how we're going about it. And I'm just so excited about all the different new ideas you've brought to the table. So I think we'll have more conversations in the not too distant future. Mm-hmm on the podcast with you about some of that stuff. So stay tuned for more. Part two, three, four, and five. Yes. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, guys.